Welcome back to the Book of Medora. It's me, Crystal. With me, as always, is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. We gotta find the fifth sage. There's five of them. There are five of them. But I think we should wander around a little bit before we find the fifth sage. Yeah, who could, where could the fifth sage be? No one knows. We gotta wander all around the wide world. All the train whistle of the wide world. The, yes, all around the train whistle of the wide world. Is that really the Japanese title for Spirit Tracks? That's right. Which title do you prefer? Train Whistle of the Wide World. Is it because long, complicated titles are better? That's exactly right. (laughs) I think I I like how Wide World is sort of mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's in terms of scale and distances uh, portrayed. I think it's the largest overworld map that Zelda's ever had. Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom included. Really? I mean, if you just like the scale of them, if you take the train as being at scale, then yeah, it's many kilometers across, I think. I guess so, yeah. Well, it is the same map. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. The forbidden science of geography. I, no, I brought this on myself. You I did. Should, I, I, I did that. That was me. The geography lines up, basically. Yeah, but like. It's divided into realms in Spirit Tracks, and I don't really know what to make of that. Breath of the Wild is also kind of divided into realms. You got the the icy mountain in the northwest. You got the volcano in the northeast. You got the watery parts in the southeast, and you got the forest in the southwest. But the forest is in the north northeast. Well, some of it got des- desertified over the years. I see. Okay, well, the, we do know that the... The Lost Woods moves. No, this is the forbidden science. We can't get back into this. This, The episode has barely fucking started. But um, we were thinking that maybe we could go to some of the minor towns before heading out and trying to find the fifth sage, the Sage of Spirit. We have to go to some of the two towns in the game. Hey, now. Aren't there there more than two towns? There's three. Four? That's right. There's three. Yeah. Yeah, there's Terrytown, Hateno, Luralin, and Kakariko. And Kakariko. That's four. Four. Okay, that's four. And that's not counting the other towns. That's four times as much as most Zelda games. That's true. And that's not even including Grudo Town. Yeah, we're we're, we're not or, counting the quest specific towns here. Yeah. Uh Terrytown? Do you have any preference for which of the four you'd like to start with, Crystal? I have no particular preference. Let's uh, talk about Terrytown. Okay. Well, wh- wh- tell me about Terrytown then. Terrytown has flourished after Breath of the Wild. Hudson's business has really boomed. A whole bunch of extra people are there, both just to sort of live in this nice, relaxing place, or uh, I guess there's the whole construction site in which some humans and Gorons are really uh, occupied at mining. Constructing? Constructo mining. Yeah. I was sad that you have to pay for the inn now. Oh. Well, I mean, like, it's been six years. You can't expect them to give it to you for free forever. Forever. They can't give it for free to the hero of Hyrule forever? I'm going to choose to believe that at some point... Either Link or Zelda was like, hey, listen, if we're going to take advantage of your labor, we need to pay our fair share. Is the town a capitalism? What? Yeah. This I is going to ev- be the new capital of Hyrule. 
Because <laughs> oh, uh, Zelda's not exactly reconstructing Castle Town, so this is like the most developed town. That's a very different kind of capitalism than I... Yeah, okay, that is a a building of the capital. Capitalism with an O. <laughs> I just meant, like, with Hudson Construction, a corporation? Yeah. Or is it a family business? Is it a Zaibatsu? Um, God... Is Terrytown? I mean, it's literally a company town. It is a company town with company rules. No, that, that can't be the capital of Hyrule. Why not? Company towns are innately evil. But why can't it be the capital of Hyrule? Um, it's too far removed from the center. Does it have to be in the center? Well, it has to be at least geographically um, accessible equally to all the different peoples of Hyrule if you're aiming for any kind of equity. But this has better access to the ocean, so it can trade from across the sea. Sure, but then you're specifically and geographically excluding the Gerudo. Uh-huh. I guess you're not bound to where the castle is anymore, because the guy underneath it is, after this, resolved. But, no, I don't I, I don't even mean that. It's just like, you think that Zelda's going to set up a new capital that excludes her uh, second mom's people? Oh, I don't think uh, Zelda's opinion matters that much oh, who do you for think the future that? development of Hyrule. I understand that the the decrepit old monarchy is going to stay in Castletown, but this is where the real economic center of Hyrule is going to be. That makes sense. Go on. It's pretty much what I mean. This is where all the hustling and bustling is happening. I mean, it, it, it is where all the hustling and bustling has happened. I mean, this, I, is, this is like saying uh, the, the Windsor Palace is going to be the capital of the UK forever. Okay, but to the best of my knowledge, Hyrule doesn't have liberal democracy. Well, maybe it will once um, Hudson takes over. <laughs> once Hudson's been crowned? No, it, it wouldn't be a crowning. It's like, oh, so you're saying that Hudson's going to get the Magna Carta started or what? Yeah, Hudson's going to give... Zelda isn't, doesn't seem that interested in asserting her royal authority. You know, I think that's... You're, you're super right about that. She's not interested in asserting her royal authority. But I think that's actually part of her character arc in this game, is recognizing that even if she doesn't like the role or the hand that fate has dealt her, that she still kind of has to deal with it because people around her depend on her. Yeah, she's a figurehead. She inherits the inn at the end. Um, I guess she does inherit the end. The family end. business must carry on. I, yeah, I get, no, I, I would say that she's not actually a figurehead because she's the source of Terrytown's funds. It's, it's, in this case, I think it's pretty close to all indications to the contrary, notwithstanding, and given how much Zelda abandons her duties in the six year gap, notwithstanding, I think that. Hyrule is still actually an absolute monarchy. Here's the question, though. Is she funding it? She definitely gave the direction, which was approved of and supported by the people, that Hudson's company would help to rebuild Hyrule. She commissioned them. Sure. But do you think that was backed by funds? From where? I mean, she... Maybe the royal family doesn't rely on actual liquid funds. What did they rely on? (laughs) I really feel like it was just a direction and it was a good suggestion that, you know, somebody take charge who has experience with building, take charge in organizing the rebuilding effort. Mm, 
Maybe Terrytown's actually a state-owned company now. Effectively. But it's not really like a top-down sort of thing. I mean, none of her organizational structure right now is top-down in that way. Well, it is. Um, the two heads under like under her order that I can think of right now are Pura and... Um, what's Mushroom Hair Guy's name again? We just said it. Hudson? Hudson. Hudson. Pura and Hudson are kind of the two organizational heads that are working on the reconstruction of Hyrule. One through carpentry and the other through research. I think probably the only town in Hyrule that truly swears fealty to the crown is Kakariko. And if the other parts do not pay tribute to the crown, they're going to have a problem with Kakariko. I think that these are much... (laughs) I think that these are actually pretty far removed from the Ocarina era Sheikah because all the Ocarina era Sheikah got murdered because they were Ocarina era Sheikah. Yeah, but Impa still still cares about the crown because she was around for it. The Zora do too, really. But I don't think the other people really do. Yeah, I would I would agree that they've... I think you said this in the Breath of the Wild episodes, both um, the original version and the reboot that we did with Monica, that they've lived well over 100 years without a functioning monarchy, so they don't need it at this point. Exactly. Really, even when the monarchy was in place, it was more of a, like the king my brother sort of thing we owe something of a fealty towards but and yet we're quite independent i don't know how that works is that a suzerainty something like that it's one of them words but it it doesn't seem like a a capitalism with an e a a a words uh there's a lot of nicer parts about town the giant funny ride you take to get to the construction zone is a free uh, cart ride except for that rich dude trying to actually do a grift yeah nobody's stopping that guy crystal how did you find it when uh this guy tried to make you pay to ride on the free thingy i swung my sword at him (laughs) did you swing it at him and then just hop on that's right Oh, d- can you hop on while he's cowering in terror? Mm, no, I don't think you can. But you can't just go the long way. Well, do you want to know what Monica did and that I saw her do, so I copied her later? What did you do? I I put a... a uh, board. Board over his face. Hell yeah. <laughs> just blocked off his line of sight, and then it just... Got on the tram and off she went. Yeah, I refused, absolutely refused to pay him. But uh, he's only doing this because Hudson is distracted. If Hudson was there, apparently he would notice and put a stop to it. But he's fully taking his chance with this this newbie and the boss being away. Man, fuck that guy. I hated that guy in the previous game. You remember him, Crystal? He's the one who wanted you to go fight Guardians for money. And then after you participate in your gladiatorial combat he gives you like a 20 what the hell oh did you never do that one (laughs) what an asshole yeah no i never did that one his family he's the dad of the sickly girl that you have to bake a monster cake for Hmm. never did that one either no oh okay Uh, well well, she's that's why she's running around in this one because she got much healthier after eating the monster cake and it stimulated her appetite good and now she's friends with um What's daughter's name? Um, Madison. Madison. Now she's friends with Madison. Well, she's more like a big sister character to Madison because she very visibly grew up between the two games. 
I really like uh, the other inhabitants of Terrytown, especially the old couple who are there to retire. Yeah, I love them too. <laughs> Crystal, did you talk to them? Yeah, they were so cute. Yeah, I like how the grandpa's uh, memory is kind of going, but he's like in the very nice stage of that where he's saying hello to the cardboard sign of Hudson or mistaking people for each other or just being very happy and knowing that he's happy with his wife. Yes. She's the only person that he can be really sure. Oh, baby, don't cry. It's okay. It's okay. He's not real. He is. (laughs) It's just sweet. It is very sweet. But yes, it's a very um, humorous representation of a very real thing. And it lends a certain dignity to age that you don't see a lot in games like this, where I feel like in a lot of video games, age is treated as either otherworldly sagacity or utter uselessness. And it doesn't have any dignity outside of that. So I really do like his character and the way that he's allowed to have early stage Alzheimer's and it's not this world-ending thing. It's just part of the cycle of his life. Yeah. That might sound like a small thing, but I really do like it a lot. Now, have you got, are you, are you uh, cool? You're cool? I've got other notes, other parts of the town to feature. Please. Uh, the break-apart shop. Okay. This shop was the thing that so many people were asking for, more or less, in Breath of the Wild. It only saves your uh parts rather than the weapon itself but it does allow you to do some shenanigans shenanigans big shenanigans crystal do you know that you can repair weapons in this game repair weapons repair weapons no but really many have you ever done it no i have have too many (laughs) weapons as it is oh okay but i mean like people use this to like use the light scale trident all the time and then they'll go repair it I guess that makes sense. That's also through a sort of hack. Yes. The way that it works is that, you know the rock octoroks around Death Mountain? Mm-hmm. Well, anytime they suck up a weapon, they will apply a random buff to it and then spit it back out at you. And when they apply that random buff to it, they're basically resetting all of its durability. So it's fresh and sparkling and it's like you've never swung it before. Interesting. And normally you can't do that with the champion's weapons, but if you stick it on the Hylian shield... Or any shield. Or any shield. Somehow that doesn't get treated as a rare weapon? You have to fuse it. It it is the fuse material that you stick onto the shield, and it just treats it as an addition to the shield itself. So since it's just an accessory, then both of them get cleaned up. Then you take it to the break-apart shop, and you break them, and there you go, brand new Hylian shield, brand new light scale trident. That seems very useful. It is very useful. If you want to fight with the champion weapons, you can totally do that for basically the whole game. And the light scale trident is now the best weapon in the game. More or less. I mean, some people argue like, oh, you can get higher damage off of a one hit away from breaking Royal Guard Claymore if you stick such and such on it. And I don't care. You get free water buffs in this game. You get free water buffs in this game. And even if Sidon won't get near you, you can just shoot a water arrow at your feet. Yeah, or throw a melon. Throw a melon. <laughs> I love for throw a melon. Um, here also, you get to construct your new home. Crystal, did you build a house? No, I already have a house in Hateno <laughs> with That's my wife. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, this sort of had to... Uh, stop him. Ah, 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 oh, ah, mochi. It is true. I, I think that on some level, Link might be trying to build a dream house that they can both move into. I don't know why he's doing that, though, because the house that he had in Hateno is a perfectly cozy little place. And Zelda has a job there. She does have a job there. So um, why is he building this house? Did Link it, get kicked out? <laughs> are they not married? <laughs> I kicked out. Is is this domestic strife? Like, is it only canon if we build a separate house, or is he just setting it up as like a vacation home? I think that it's important to have a presence in all of the towns across your kingdom. Oh, you're saying that eventually, if he had the means to do it in this game, Link would set up a house for Zelda in every city. Yes. Or this is a way for Link to keep a check on these upstarts in Terrytown. <laughs> Oh, you you, you love Link as the enforcer for the royal family. He is the enforcer. That's just true. He's the defender. It's different. I think that the, well, one way to, I sort of reasoned it out is that the home is actually quite far apart from the town. You have to take a rather long trip or, you know, use your your Paraglider. paraglider. So, Maybe Link just likes living a little bit further out of the town, and Hateno is getting a little bit too busy. I mean, Hateno is definitely... this. It used to be that his house was much more isolated. Yeah, but now there's neighbors. But Zelda has a job in Hateno. Is there a warp point in Hateno? Yeah. Okay, well, these aren't the Sheikah warp points, so they'll probably persist after the game is over. Crystal, what do you... What, do, do At you, least the towers would. I don't know. What, what What's your take on why Link is doing this, Crystal? I want to hear your whole idea. Why he's building a, uh, a house here? Yes, in, in, in Terrytown. I think he wants to keep an eye on the place. I see. So that if... Um, so that if a new aristocracy starts to pop up, he'll go down there and kick Hudson's ass. Also, because this is the center of economic development in Hyrule, <laughs> maybe they'll get some weapons and armor here. That's also possible. I think that there's some benefits to having a modular home, even though I don't like the design. And you don't have enough parts quite to make the, the home that you'd like. That was me running into the issue. But you can construct multiple bedrooms and multiple studies and... A much larger space than the home in Hateno is. Multiples, multiple uh, stables for your horse. Yes. Uh, a giant living room and dining area. And it actually never rains on that spot. Mm-hmm. So you can have a completely open house and not worry about it. Link built a McMansion. <laughs> he did actually build a McMansion. Good place to settle down. Monica. Modular Lily add in rooms as the kids come in. <laughs> Meh. Oh, okay. Do you think these houses are built to last? Now, see, the thing is, they don't look to me like they're built to last. Yeah, they kind of seem like they're cheap pieces of crap. I don't know how people are supposed to put them together without the powers that Link has. Yeah, Crystal, when you're putting them together, you actually affix all the rooms to each other with Ultra Hand. That's a much more efficient way to do it than the old-fashioned way. Yes, but, like, Grantson won't... He doesn't explain how you're supposed to do it. He just stands back and watches you do it. And it's like, guy, shouldn't you be building this? And he's like, no, no, no. I think he's trying to run a griff, too. What? But Ronson sends you up there to him. Yes. No, no, I think that he's firmly with the company. But 
Grante's son is Grante, Robbie's, and uh, what's her name? I forget. Not Cherry. Jora. Jaren? Jaren. Jaren. Jaren's child, who who changed his name or or is saying that he changed his name so he can he can work there. And he's kind of being quite far from being monitored. So he's just like, yeah, here's your stuff. I'm going to collect an absurd amount of money. Changing your name to get a job. That's intense. Monica, McMansion is derogatory. Yes. Okay. I got it. Okay. I mean, I, I think it's probably not that hard to build in the traditional way. You know, you used to be able to order a house from Sears and they would mail it to you and you just put it together. That is true. And the quality of those was really good, apparently, or for what it was. Yeah. yeah. You you can still do uh, get housing construction kits. I know they still exist. I just don't know where. But I mean, like these are so thin. They and they're so square on the outside, and there's no real roofing. They, I, I agree, Crystal. They don't feel like they're meant to last. Yeah, where's where's like the gutters? Does rain just pool on the top? I guess so. Okay. I don't know what to say. <laughs> they look pretty sturdy, though, and you can drop them from a great distance without issue. I don't think they look that sturdy, actually. I, I have definitively dropped them all over the place. Okay, yes, they don't have the shatter physics built into them. I suppose that's true. But what actually makes Terrytown important to the plot of Tears of the Kingdom? That would be the Madison quest. Well, I would say that it's actually the construction site. Oh. Because when the uh, upheaval happened and shit started falling from the sky... One of the most concentrated, maybe the most concentrated place in Hyrule for relics of the Zonai is the field just outside of Terrytown. So there's like this whole separate research base set up by the research committee. Oh, right. That's working, that's working in conjunction with Terrytown to figure out how all this stuff works and how they can incorporate it into their daily lives, which is actually how the tram is built. This is going to be the means by which Terrytown absorbs the Sheikah, because they are also the center of scientific research in Hyrule. Do you do you, do you do you think so? Yeah, aren't they? I think the scientific center of research in Hyrule is probably. Um, it's Kakariko at the moment. No, no, Lookout Landing. Lookout Landing. Actually, is Lookout Landing a village? I guess not so. yet. I mean, I'd say that that's maybe five villages. I. I mean, it's effectively a like an NPC area it's town. It's a new settlement. It's like it's like a very new like it's a camp. We've just barely set up a stable. I mean, that's what a, a they're building a stable though. That's it's the beginnings of a village. That's true. Just like Terrytown in Breath of the Wild sure. is the beginning of a town. Yes, but like everybody's still living in that that uh, shelter. But I don't even think that that's important to the plot. That. <laughs> Yes, people are are mining or, or uh, excavating there and researching in Terrytown. For us, is it a requirement that we get Madison to Grudo Town to do the Grudo stuff? I mean, no, but no, we, but it's it's nice to do. Yes, Crystal, did did you send her to school? Yeah, I finished this quest. And did you do that before you went to Grudo Town? Uh, no, I did it after, but then I oh. went back to check on her. Okay. Monica definitely had me go to Terrytown and do the quest first. 
I don't think I made you. Yeah. That's something you got. Pretty you much went everything. to Terrytown first. Pretty much everything I did was at Monica's behest. I probably wasn't even going there yet. I was still probably gathering resources somewhere else. Saving Ganon for last. Went to Terrytown <laughs> first. Going to Zora's Domain as late as I did. You Definitely. know, you mentioned that Terrytown wouldn't have a strong relationship with the Gerudo, but it kind of seems like it's also the center of Gerudo-Hillian relations. Okay, please explain. Because basically, the the second mayor of the town is a Gerudo. It seems like a pretty safe place to to raise your kids before they get sent off. I mean, that's true. But are there any Gerudo there except for Ronson? No, but they could come. I think that the thing here is that we're talking about the towns as if they're the center of Hyrulean life. But that hasn't been true for a hundred years. Most of Hyrulean culture is actually still in the stables. And we're in a period where they're seeing if they need to transition away from the stable system. That's true. Ronson and uh, Madison, Madison trying to learn Grudo is a very sweet point because you see in the, uh, the material scattered in her room or whatever, or her diary, that all the townspeople are trying to learn a little bit to help support her. Yeah, she's being sweet. raised by the village. Yeah, but they're also making an effort to learn yeah. another language. Which is very hard for them to pronounce because <laughs> Hylian is Japanese in this one. Um, so we sent... I don't remember the full terms of sending her off to school. Oh, it's not sending her off to school. Off to... off to. I mean, effectively. No, it's not. This is not a fucking boarding school. She is taken away from her family and sent to live in Gerudo Town... God fucking knows why, until she comes of age and is able to go out on her own journey to find a man. It's the way of her people. It's the incredibly, incredibly contrived way of her people. We have to make a hot air balloon for her? That part's very nice. And dye it bright yellow? Yes, with the light of the um, those special sun... Sun. Sunday lions. Yeah, the Sunday lions. I always think daffodil and I try to say sundafidil. I like sundafidils. Sundafidil. My goofy ass was just about to say sunflower over and over. <laughs> they are. They're sunflowers. Literally. Not not actual sunflowers, but flowers drawing strength from the sun. This town and this side quest is one of the two big stories I feel, which is about the developers' lives. Go on. Uh, as you send Madison away, and I think... You commented on this in a prior episode. Uh, Hudson and Rondison remark that they're starting a new stage of their life, which is the, the kid has left the nest. So what you're saying is that whoever wrote this quest, their kid just went to university. Uh-huh. Crystal, how do you feel about this reading? I think that's a cogent reading. <laughs> is, is this the most honest, sad dad video game narrative for it? Where it's not like, oh, I have to protect my family, but it's like, oh, my family is growing beyond their need for me. Yeah, I thought this is definitely one of the better sad dad stories in video games because it's not <laughs> about enacting horrible violence in the name of your family. It's just about building a balloon that your daughter likes so she'll be comfortable going to boarding school. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> and even afterwards, he kind of has a, a... He's a little bit out of sorts. Yeah, he remains out of sorts. But... You can get him a photo of Madison and show both him and Ronson. And uh, he finds a new interesting thing to, to, to do 
which is make monster statues with Kinton. Now, here's the thing about uh, Hudson for me, Crystal. Mm -hmm. The thing is that after Madison leaves, our boy just becomes completely aimless and no longer involved in the expansion of Terrytown in any way. So Ronson's the one actually running things and whatnot. But the way that you bring him out of it is when Kilton shows up and you show him some monster pictures and he just starts working on his art again. Oh. Yes. He had kind of, much like we'll touch on with, uh, what's his name? Bolson. Yes, Bolson. He, he's kind of reached a weird lull or hiccup of his life. And now when you show him the monster photos and Kinton needs somebody to help him with it, he realizes a new purpose. And I think that that's actually another potentially biographical aspect of his character that he needs some new purpose for himself because he achieved his original aims, which was raising a daughter. But now he, he, he needs something else to do with himself. And he finds it in art. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's nice. Uh, Kilton and Kinton's story is very good, too. And this is probably the, rest, the, the best place to touch on it. Okay. Crystal, did you do it? Which quest? Uh Kinton and Kilton's story, specifically helping uh, Kinton with his dream of becoming a Satori. No, I didn't do this one. Okay. Uh, so the reason that you hit bubble frogs and gather those weird shiny crystal things is because Kinton thinks that they are crucial in his quest to becoming a Satori, which is the, the Lord of the Mountain. It's it's Awada. Yes. And he wants to become... He wants to be Awada. Yes, as we all do. And as you gather them, uh, you get some really nice things from him, monster parts. Uh, I think the monster masks are there too. And the uh, the Satori outfit as well. But once you gather all of them, and I can't remember how many caves there are. Four? A hundred? A hundred and ten? Too many. <laughs> I think it's a hundred. I think it's a hundred and ten. Okay, a hundred and ten. Or something like that. I, I don't know for sure. But anyway, he eats them all. And it's a very fun sequence. Poof. Uh, he feels something funny in him. And he turns into not a Satori, but uh, a little bloopy and runs off. The happiest ending. Also very strange. That's some old school Zelda strangeness. And you can go back and talk to Kinton, uh, sorry, Kilton, uh, the original brother from Breath of the Wild. The monster brother. Yes. And tell him what happened. And he's a little bit sad about it, but also just happy for his brother because that's what That's what he wanted all along. Yeah. And they leave the monster shack at satori mountain where you see the lord of the the mountain it's pretty good right it's a weird quest <laughs> it's a very weird quest sort of a reverse of um the skyward sword quest about turning a monster into a human ah that's very true i think that it's interesting that one of the major themes uh i guess you could say that there's two major themes at tears of the kingdom that are jumping out at me right now one is caretakers watching the people that they've taken care of grow beyond them and achieve dreams that leave them behind. And the other is the people who are having to rise up to their own potential. 
and taking the mantle. It's it's very basic as theming goes, but for Zelda, it's actually pretty unusual because we only ever really see the young part rise up and we don't see much of like, this is like if Daphnis Nohansen Hyrule had had a whole side quest devoted to his feelings about his descendants. Yeah. And we see that again. I was going to go over and touch on Hateno, but maybe this is the, the part to sort of confirm that, that theming by talking about Luralin. Uh, how do you feel about Crystal? Let's go to Luralin. Well, can we can we can we just talk about Kilton's quest with oh. Hudson real quick? Okay. Because okay. I mean, like it's there. It's in it's in Terrytown. Yeah. What about it? It's just that for our listeners who don't know, the way that it works is after you give Hudson the picture of Madison, he goes and he talks to Kilton, who's come to Terrytown, and Kilton's like, "You got to make me a thing that looks like wham." And it does like zow. And Hudson's like, I don't know what that means. You are the worst commissioner that I've ever gotten a letter from. Basically, uh, Kilton wants Hudson to make art of monsters for him to show people how cool monsters are. And Hudson's like, I'm very willing to do that, but you're not very good at describing things. So you got to take pictures of the monsters that Kilton names and bring them back. And Hudson will take, will build a model of that monster. Um, not quite life-size, but life-size for some of them, in whatever pose you took a picture of them in. So oh. if you... Oh, you didn't do this? No. Oh, shit, Crystal, it's so fucking cool. You can build a, a pretty cool diorama. You can get pictures of the final boss in whatever uh, poses you want, and Hudson will build that, too. Even the dragon? Um, no, you can't take a picture of the dragon. Okay. Well, you can take a picture of a dragon, but it doesn't count. It doesn't. It's, I guess it's like the Kilton, one. It's the one thing in the game. Kilton doesn't treat it as a monster. They're not monsters. It's the one thing, one enemy in the game that he can't do. You can do every other version of Ganondorf in different poses with all of his weapons, or even in like um, damage states, and it, it's it's extremely cool. You can use the different models to build dioramas, however you like. And for Kilton side quest, he gives lectures like ted talks about the different monsters that you have to take pictures of him take pictures for of for him and it uh it's just nice the way that there's this increasing rate of he's like okay the bacoblins are pretty cool you don't have to worry about them too much maybe you'll even find them sort of cute and then it gets up to like the horriblins and he's like man horriblins are cute but don't don't go too close to them. It's fine. And then you eventually you make your way up to the King Gleok, and he's like, if you see this, you're already dead. And that's kind of cool. That's the coolest thing there is, says Kilton. That's awesome. It is really cool, actually. <laughs> it's it's maybe my favorite side quest. That's the power of the Switch. You couldn't do that on the Wii U. You could not do that on the Wii U. Who knows what'll happen with Breath of the Wild 3 on the Switch 2. Plus I think old- Breath of the Wild 3 will be re- released on the Switch. Really? Still on the Switch? I think the Switch has much life yet in it. You Okay. What what year do you see Breath of the Wild 3 coming out? Uh um, Pretend that COVID added like 2 years onto the onto the development. development. 2028. Oh my goodness. You are seeing the Switch getting its last major game when it's 11 years old. Why not? PS4 is still getting games. Is it? 
Yeah, most major games are still being released on PS4. That's true. Maybe that's why it feels like the PS5 has no games. PS5 has even less games than the PS3. You're talking negative numbers of games. <laughs> that's right. I guess that's because cross-platform, uh, cross-generation releases are a negative number. It's like God of War Ragnarok came out on both systems. That's not a PS5 game. Exactly. But what about like Twilight Princess? That's a GameCube game. That's a GameCube game. That's the one where Link is left-handed. You have to agree that it's the canon version. Yeah. In yeah. my mind, multi-platform games are the games of the lower generation, which have an enhanced version released. Interesting. Now, I'm assuming that doesn't count for late ports, like the Switch getting Doom Eternal two years later. Yes, late ports are different. Even things like Titanfall, where they basically had to build a separate game for the Xbox 360, that doesn't quite count. Okay, that makes sense. But Lies of P is a PS4 game. That makes sense to me. Did you finish Lies of P, Crystal? I did. One of the best Souls games. One of the best Souls games. I really do have to go ahead and play Lies of P so we can do a Lies of P episode. I'm committing to a Lies of P episode right here, right now. Just oh, I'd like, love to do a Lies of P episode. Just like we did the Bloodborne. <laughs> well, you're going to get it, Crystal. You're going to love actually doing it. Yay! Yeah. Lies of P. Shall we go to Lurlin? Hachano? I love Lurlin. Lurlin. Okay. So as you venture across Hyrule this time, there's refugees everywhere uh, who have fled Lurlin because it has been taken over by pirates. Okay. I really liked how they put people all over the place. When you say, oh, you mean the, the way that the Luralin villagers were scattered all over Hyrule. Yes. And they're all thinking about town and being a little bit sad and having varying amounts of luck dealing with it. Um, yeah, yeah, I kept meeting a bunch of Luralin refugees all around. And I was like, yeah, I'll go there later. And then I never did. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, like one is in Grudo Town. I actually didn't see them before uh, I resolved the issue, so I don't know what they were doing there. Boy, they went as far as possible, didn't they? Yes. Uh, one is a, a family went over to the uh, tower where it's always raining, and she's trying to run a shop there and maybe help with the construction of the tower, but it's still raining. That one was so sad. It was a bit. The kids are just like sleeping in the tent. I mean, you can send them home. Yeah, well, yes, but, you know, not yet. Crystal's no version home. of Link didn't. <laughs> oh, no. No. They're still out there sleeping in the rain. Oh, no. I was busy trying to carry fire under the eternal rain. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. It was, that uh, was an annoying tower. It it definitely required some, uh, it required some problem solving. That tower drove me nuts because I couldn't construct the barrier properly enough, and the rain kept on putting out my fire. And I, they coded in a short gap after I don't know how many days, a short stint of sun, and that's how I, I did it. Couldn't you build your own little, um, build a little construct made with a little roof and a little wall and a flamethrower attached to it and just hold it in place? Probably. I, I didn't, though. That's fair. I didn't either. I just made a bunch of roofs. I tried. I, I also made a I very failed. wide roof. I did. I tried to hang it yes, off I of know. the two I sides. Yes, I know. I saw you it, do it. Yeah. I, I was there. I don't know why I didn't like me. It sure didn't, Monica. <laughs> um, 
there's also uh, at Lookout Landing, the shopkeeper, I think, is also a refugee, as well as their partner in the shelter. And then uh, I think another person, Hateno, is a little bit freaked out about it. That is a little bit freaky. Oh, no, it's the windmill couple. Oh, yes, the wife of the and the windmill couple is originally from Luralin. They're probably the close. She's not actually a refugee. She lived in Hateno um, back in Breath of the Wild. Yes, but, but she was worrying about her dad. She's very worried about her hometown. Yeah. They end up moving there afterward, don't they? Yes, they do. It's like, well, who's going to tend the windmills? And they're like, not my fucking problem. <laughs> uh, so you hear that it's been overrun by pirates. Crystal, when you heard that, did you assume what the pirates were? I assumed they were monsters. The goblins and such. You were right. Yes. But I really I really thought it would be like maybe not Grudo pirates, but some sort of new race, maybe. Yeah, Monica was expecting people pirates for some reason. I don't attribute a lot of sapience to the monsters. They make their own weapons. I know. Do you have to be but- that sapient to be a pirate? It's just kind of monsters of the sea. Pirate. To they me, stole a boat. Pirate. To me, they they've got boats. Yeah, they. I think they made the boats. Okay, that's pretty sapient. Uh, surprisingly, so I did not expect them to have them. If human history has taught us anything, it's that if you can build a boat, you can be a pirate. Wind Waker had monster pirates. Sure did. They even had the yes. little pirate bandanas. They were definitely pirates. These are definitely Wind Waker pirates. I don't know. It's just they don't usually depict the. The monsters as being that intelligent, but here they are, like, raiding a town, hoarding the resources, building giant boats and having an organized structure. I mean, they basically just knocked everything over and now they're laying around and dancing. They've got, like, monitors. They do have... uh, Sentries? They do have sentries, that's true. And then you come in and you kill them all, unless you're... um, Unless you decide not to do that, or you just never find Luralin. Unless or... you're very focused on resolving the larger issues. Yes. Well, I mean, Luralin is a pretty remote place. I'm sure that a lot of players, just like Breath of the Wild, simply never found it. I. Everyone who says that is crazy to me because it's <laughs> it's on the corner of the map. It's not like it's tucked away. Yeah, but you're never actually sent there to do anything super important, right? There's never a map marker for Luralin. That's true. I would do be, people not just explore the corners of the map like I, I do? There's a great... I No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I don't automatically go to the corners myself. I do. I know you do. <laughs> um, I, I would be willing to bet, given that at least 20 million people have played Tears of the Kingdom by now... That there's at least a million people who have never been to Luralin. Like one me. in twenty? Uh, it may be more than one in twenty. Yes. I mean, one in three people of this podcast have not been to Luralin in Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. If we extrapolate, there's like, six, wait, you never went at all? No. I always say I get to it later. But it's but in a corner of the map. Of the yeah, but I already explored this map. <laughs> I mean, I, not- I figured that if there was anything new, they'd direct me to it. I mean. Pure kind Which of Which they does. did. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a fun quest. I you have to kill them all without being detected? Or without no, being No, killed? you can be detected. Okay, but, but you can if, sneak around and pull a snake. Yes. You can stealth action it and kill all of them while they're sleeping, which is how you did it. 
Oh, yeah. Well, because they were like black rank or higher. Yes. Early in the game, it's clear it's meant to be a late game encounter. But if you go in pretty late, it's a pretty reasonable fight, especially with some good weapons. But yes, they're absolute dicks. Their home base is actually on Eventide Island. And you have a quest to rid that place of the monsters. And some of them don't respawn after. Yeah, they're gone forever. Does that mean they're cut off from from Ganon? They've died definitively. Ganon was like, well, you couldn't hold Lurlin. You don't get to come back. Unless these monsters are from across the sea. They could be. They could be from the Ocarina Kingdom. <laughs> Go on. Well, if they don't respawn, that does suggest that they're not linked to Demon King Ganon. The only thing is that they have horns. That's true. So we have two two pieces of evidence at odds with each other regarding their link to the Demon King. Why don't they respawn? That what? is the mystery. What? Yeah, that is the mystery. I'm sure that there's some small number of enemies in other places in the game that don't respawn, but they are not the norm. Anyway, anyway. So you kill all the monsters, you destroy their base, you sink their ship, you burn down their houses. I mean, the house is already burnt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Bacoblins burn down all the houses. Uh, the mayor and Bolson, who had been living in the town for a little bit of time, are nearby. So when you resolve that issue, they come back. And yeah, you meet Bolson again. I think this is actually one of my favorite quests. Go on. Uh... Bolson came here because, as he says at the end of Breath of the Wild, he really has to go and find something new to to grab his attention. His final axe for uh, his construction company was building the school, which he liked. But then he really ran into a lull, into a rut, and let's say drifted for a while. Yeah, the, the implication when you talk to him, Crystal, you remember Bolson, right? Mm-hmm. The implication when you talk to him is that he's just been kind of wandering around Hyrule aimlessly, trying to find himself for the last five or six years. The Terrytown life is not for him. No. It was never for him in the first place. That's why he sent Hudson to go start the town. I don't even know if he instructed Hudson to do that or Hudson just naturally. He did. Oh, okay. He told him to go to Kala, but... Uh, Hudson is his uh, successor. Okay. But yeah, he, he apparently just lived in... Lurlin for a little while and the, he do like minor repairs around yeah the, the mayor the mayor's son uh lets him stay with them and he's very affected by the burn down of the town and commits himself to helping the restoration so he enlists link and the two of them work together to repair the town it's not a very long quest it takes maybe 30 minutes of really focused effort to get through it but you get some really nice little thank yous as you rebuild the houses. Yeah, you have to choose which buildings you want to restore. Is it a family home? Is it the inn? Is it the gambling house? And each of them has one more little side quest tied to them about helping them get together the last remnants of their lives that were lost in the attack, helping them rebuild in a way that carpentry can't do. Yeah, and bringing the people back. Yes. And when you finish it is, without question, maybe the most... It's actually, to me, maybe the most emotionally fulfilling thing in the entire game. Why yeah. is that? Because this is the one place 
where Link's recognized as a hero, not for defeating the monsters, but because he helped rebuild the town. And everyone gets together and thanks you, and all of them explain that you ne- like the innkeeper tells you that you will never have to pay again when you sleep at the inn, and you will eat at the restaurant whenever you like without charge. And which is great to fill out your recipe book because she'll only cook something new for you each time. Yes, and it's just this nice long sequence where everybody's talking to you. And you can gamble for free. You, you kind of. And, <laughs> and you get free resources from the shopkeep. Yes. Every day you get to take some fish for free. They just share the bounty with you because you are the hero of Lurlin. Wait, you can gamble for free? Yes. There's a treasure chest game. Uh, I think it's in the first one as well. Yes, it is. But normally you can only choose one chest and then depending on the outcome you get... Uh, I think in the previous game, it was just money. But in this one, you can get a different material based on which uh, ruby you get. But that guy really likes you. You save the town, so you get one free draw every day. Uh, And then if you have some roasted porgy, he really likes roasted porgy, so you can effectively bribe him into opening the other two chests and getting the other two monster parts at the same time. It's... It's really nice because it makes you feel like they're welcoming you into their home and making you part of the family. And it's difficult to describe if you haven't seen it, but it's really very sweet and disarming in a way that elevates the writing of the entire game. This is Link's home. In a lot of ways, yeah. Home is where you do your work, I guess. And this is, to me, the place where Link does his best work. Not in killing, but in rebuilding. And they make the best food in Hyrule. They do actually make the best food in Hyrule. Yeah. No, I can definitely see him having another home here. Uh, apparently Zelda, and I assume him, traveled here to look at the uh, the Heart Lake. Because every time at sunset, uh, fairies will appear there. And she painted a painting, but I think she just took a photograph of it. Yes. But yes, Lurland Village... To any of our listeners who haven't done that quest, go ahead and go do it. It's it's very nice. Yeah. Crystal, you should come back to the game after some time. No. Yeah, maybe in two years. After you've had some <laughs> distance. I, 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 will say, I did play like 100 hours of this game. It's not like I didn't play it. It's just that I didn't it's, want to play more than 100 hours. No, I get game. it. I get it. The game can be very... 100 hours is an awful lot of time to be devoted to anything. Yeah. But after in a, in a couple of years, once you've gotten some distance from it, I think that going back to Lurlin is one of the spots you should prioritize. Yeah. Is that why you're uh, replaying Majora's Mask? That is a much tighter game, yes. <laughs> much more my speed. At heart, you're really a Ocarina of Time school-liker. Absolutely. And you know what's a perfect length for an open-world RPG is 30 hours. 30 hours for an... How, what open world RPGs have 30-hour campaigns? Uh, Majora's Mask. And that, that that's getting all the heart pieces. That's filling out the bomber's notebook. Everything, 30 hours. Wow. That's pretty good. I think that you could probably play Tears of the Kingdom in 30 hours. If, not Definitely not full completion. Though. If you were mainlining it. If you're just trying to see the story, I'm sure that a lot of people completed it in 30 hours. But, yeah, the... 
pull of the game makes you feel like you need to explore and see more. So you end up spending a lot more time in it than you think you do, depending on the kind of player you are. I don't even yeah. want to think about how long my play file was. Probably closer to 150. And mine was over 200. Probably. I would not be surprised. A couple more things about Lurlin. Uh, you do help them build a racing resort thing where you can build speed boats and race them. That's that's fine. Yeah, I never but did that part. It's with the Sand Seal uh, ladies. Oh, right. But also, there's a, a side quest once the dad and the kids show back up. Uh because he, the kids think he's missing his favorite blue shirt. Yes. Which is sunk in a chest in the, the ocean. They think that he did it to make sure that it wasn't caught by the monsters or stolen by the monsters. But it just failed to fit him. Yes. It's Link's uh, crawfish outfit from Wind Waker. How did they get here? I mean, I'm sure that it is a perfectly standard Islander design. Hmm. Let's look at the description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. Share it with us when you find it. Okay. Or read it out. I'm trying to remember the name of the item. It's not called the crawfish outfit. No. The quest is called Dad's Blue Shirt, but I don't know what it's called. Do other people wear this? The dad did, uh, okay. but nobody else does. It's called the Island Lobster Shirt. The Island Lobster Shirt. A soft, comfortable shirt traditional to a southern island. It's made of breathable fabric, so it's well-suited to warm regions. A southern island. Yes, somewhere from That's the south. I guess that outset island is south relative to Lurlin. Seems to be. Oh, God, that is actual geographical information, isn't it? Yeah. It implies that the, the current kingdom is north of where the previous Hy- Hyrule was. That, it does suggest that. I Wow. We've geography. Yeah, but this is this is actually in text. Well, Ocarina of Time didn't have any snowy regions, so that makes sense. It's a little more closer to the equator. That does make sense. It's a subtropical kingdom. Exactly. That's why it was so messed up when Ganon froze Zora's domain. They're like, what the hell is this stuff? And it aligns that all the cold stuff is north, so Hebra and such is is geographic north. Right. So we're in the Northern Hemisphere. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that the previous Hyrule was much further south. Okay. This is lining up, actually. We're figuring it out. We're figuring it out based on the text from this shirt. Who knows? <laughs> this is some dark... This is the real Dark Souls. I thought you would chide me, Cameron, about bringing up you know, a minor shirt quest. <laughs> but that's where the important lore is. Yes. Actually, if we look at the ending of Wind Waker, which direction did they take off? Um, Can we tell? I, the sun? I, I guess you might be able to tell if you know the north-south orientation of Outset Island, because they just sail away from Outset again, right? Okay, so it must be north. I, I suppose. Let's look at the map. Oh, God in heaven. Yeah, I it mean, must be north. It, are you getting that from the, from the map? Because you're sailing from the Outset docks. You are, yes. Do those point north? Don't they? I don't know. It's been too long. Outside is at the bottom of the Wind Waker map. Right. Bottom, west, left. I don't know if this is north and west. Oh, shit. It does point north. It does point north? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I buy that. They just went in a straight line north from the... Yeah. 
Okay, which means that Phantom Hourglass, the uh, the Ocean King's d- realm, is also to the north of Hyrule. That's right. So it goes Ocarina Hyrule, the Ocean Realm, and then the Breath of the Wild Hyrule as the new land, so to speak. That's right. The Ocean King's realm is was a refugee place by our theories, right? Yes, that's right. So it makes sense that it would be between the kingdoms, so refugees from both can gather there. Makes sense. Shit. <laughs> We're figuring it out. There we go. <laughs> we are actually figuring it out. I guess they really do have a timeline document that matches our <laughs> ideas perfectly. Isn't that weird? Isn't it weird that they were actually thinking about the timeline the whole time and nobody could ever say that Nintendo doesn't care about the timeline? <laughs> Just because they constantly say that they don't care about the timeline? Yeah. Who are we uh, Who are we going to believe? Us <laughs> or their lying selves? Uh, we did already talk about how Fujibayashi is now like, eh, whatever. The games are wherever in the timeline you want. Yeah, we basically did. That's the official stance now. Well, I mean, it's not exactly eh, whatever. It's that they construct the games in such a way that it's very hard for them to fully contradict each other. Yes, but also that fans can place them. Yeah, it's like, don't wherever. worry about a real timeline. Just engage with the story however you want, which is a very good way to do it for my money. The Book of Medora, endorsed by Nintendo. Thanks, Reggie. How long has Reggie been away from Nintendo now? At least five years, right? Yeah. Should we stop? Should I stop making Reggie jokes at some point? He left in 2019. I guess. I guess the Reggie jokes have aged aged out. We got to make Doug Bowser jokes now. Okay. All right. Doug hasn't really done anything much that we know of. No. He's not a very public facing figure. I guess Reggie wouldn't have been either if he wasn't introduced in the era where E3 was still a thing. Yeah, that's the thing. The death of E3 really. Kind of killed the era of uh, celebrity executives. Yes. Though Nintendo does still put forward some of their bigger suits in the Nintendo Directs. Yeah, but those suits have no swag. (laughs) I I think Koizumi does pretty okay. Oh, I don't know. I couldn't even remember his name. I was trying to pull it. I mean, I remember Koizumi lounging on a couch for the HD Rumble demonstration of the ice cubes in a cup what i don't remember that for the hd rumble for the hd rumble oh isn't he doing the movies now um i think he's still like the producer of the mario games yeah he's the mario guy okay supposedly yeah he he's fulfilling the role in mario that uh miyamoto did like 20 years ago so he's the inheritor of the Mario division, and Anoma was the inheritor of the Zelda division. Right. But uh, Anoma's passing that on to Fujibayashi. Or he's at least, like, setting up Fujibayashi to succeed him in the future. I don't know who Koizumi has, because I don't act... Because I'm not a Mario fan in the same way I'm a Zelda fan, I don't know who directs all the different Mario games. You know who they need to bring up in the Nintendo ranks? The Who's lady that? who runs Animal Crossing? Yes! <laughs> Yeah, everyone loves it's one of their big hits. Yeah. that That's their biggest hit? Outside of Mario Kart 8, Animal Crossing New Horizons is the most successful Switch game. Give that that's lady a race. the most race. successful game original to the Switch. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's going to end up kissing 
50 million copies sold by the time it's done, which I know that kids nowadays don't have any context for that. But back when Crystal and Monica and I were first on the internet, the idea of any game selling 50 million copies was farcical. It was nonsense. It's like back in the YouTube days where like uh, 100,000 views was a lot. Yeah. Aya Kyogoku, the Animal Crossing lady and the scriptwriter for Twilight Princess and Four Swords Adventures. She's a boss. Well, she's literally a boss now that she headed Animal Crossing. <laughs> scriptwriter for Twilight Princess. I mean, she was probably largely responsible for the characterization of a lot of women in the game. There were some strong women in that game. Yeah. Huh. I'm going to say she wrote Midna. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, let's let's round out the towns. Let's go to Hateno. Okay. Tell me, t- tell us about Hateno. Crystal, did you go to Hateno? That's where I dropped the game in the middle of the the mayor quest. That's right. I remember this. Can you tell us a little bit about the town? It's been taken over by mushroom fever. Yeah. <laughs> is it is it fashionable? Do you find it fashionable? trendy uh it's definitely the most fashionable i suppose relative to the other villages i don't know if i'm super into the mushroom design but i can see that they are they care about aesthetics they really want to stand out as a town yes or at least cc does yes yeah if if uh if Terrytown is the economic center and lorellin is the maritime center then hateno is the cultural center of hyrule that's nice reason. It's where they invent cheese. Yeah, that's important. That's a big invention. It really is. But this is pre... Uh, cheese has been invented before. It's been lost in time. Have, has there been cheese in previous Zelda games? There must have been cheese. We're, we're all sitting here racking our brains like, there must I, have been cheese. I mean, say, you find the recipe for cheese. Like, we've had cheese since the Paleolithic era. Surely, well, the Neolithic era. Surely they have cheese in the Zelda universe. Is this before, Japan, though? Before this moment. Are you tell? They didn't I, have goat cheese in Twilight Princess? Oh, they do have cheese. They do they have do goat, goat cheese, goat yes. Cheese. So it at, cheese actually was lost in the flood. This no. is like a, a donut-shaped cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The goat cheese is put in big wheels. The, this one seems like a little bit more melty, and it's a pizza cheese. But uh, I mean, fresh cheese is like that. I guess so. But importantly, no, the recipe was lost during the Calamity. Oh. Because that's the recipe that you acquire, isn't it? Yeah, but the recipe had just been come up with before the Calamity. Yes. It, cheese wasn't extant in this version of Hyrule before the Calamity. Hmm. Which means that they've been taking care of goats for tens of thousands of years, but never had cheese. That's a skill issue. <laughs> that is actually a skill issue. Um, I really thought that the twist of this plot line was going to be that Link or his family were Germans and were involved in the invention of cheese in the past. Like Link at 16 or whatever. That would be pretty good. The only other instance of cheese in the series is the Ordona cheese. So I guess that's true. Oh, shit. Link's people are the origin of cheese. They invented a whole new person in the past, though. The mayor, the friend of the mayor's ancestor. Oh, yes. You figured that that would be like Link's dad. Uh, yeah, I thought it'd be like Link's dad. 
I guess it could be like stuff. Crystal, for, for, to clarify, um, cheese was previously invented before the calamity, but the recipe was lost because it was so close to the age of burning fields. And two people did it. The ancestor of the mayor and a mysterious friend whose identity is never made clear. That's Link. I think it was just clearly not Link, unfortunately. I think the name might have been mentioned. Let me find it. Please do, because when Crystal says that's just Link, what they're saying makes instant sense to me. I know. It made sense to me, too. That's why I was disappointed when it, it didn't seem like it. Hold on. But, Crystal, when you say it's like the cultural center of Hyrule, can you expand a little bit? Well, CC, the fashion designer, has had has is having her fashion trends spread all across Hyrule. And the tension is that of the town is between the traditional farming way of life and, like, these new uh, bourgeois interests. Oh, would you say that the that fashion is bourgeois? It's something that happens in the towns. And like you said, there are towns developing in Hyrule instead of the old stable system. That's true. So it's, it's a question of this uh, pseudo-pastoral lifestyle that the Hateno people traditionally had. Well, not really pastoral. They're still agrarian. But it, it's very much the small town versus big city tension of uh, Japan out in the country. Because the cities are calling the young people and the towns are losing significance? Yes. Yeah, and when I say bourgeois, I don't even mean in the Marxist sense. I mean literally people who live in the town. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Sorry, I, I shouldn't have interrogated that as hard as I did. I'm still researching. It's okay. There's there's no rush. But um, yeah, I, I, I can definitely see what you mean there. The, the whole point uh, hateno is funny because it's basically a town that's built around a single side quest and it has a bunch of side quests inside of it but those side quests are also meant to just lead us to the i guess the climax of the town which is the mayoral election in which this is very funny to me because mayors are elected but you have to call an election it's not something that just happens regularly and Link definitely rigs the election. Does he rig the election? Yes, absolutely. He helps different people. Yes, he helps different people and gives them the little mushrooms that are meant to communicate. Uh, they're like little bribes from CC, cultural bribes. It's a very small thing, though. It's like a button. Yes, but that's, that's still handing out election materials. Which is not something that you'd normally attribute to a, the neutral party of the princess's uh, right-hand man. Did you get that far in, Crystal? No. Yeah, you're handing out election propaganda in this quest. <laughs> the, the, the Queen's Knight is electing the mayor of the cultural center yes. of Hyrule. Essentially. I mean, it sort of makes sense. He does live there. He has a, a vested interest as a person who this is his municipality. You can stump for, like, a, a candidate you support. I don't think that's an issue. He's not forcing them. It's, the value of the goods is is totally insignificant. It just makes them think fondly of, you know, the value of mushrooms and culture to this town. Hmm. I don't think it's threatening. Oh, no, I, I don't mean to say that it's threatening. Monica, I don't think you're going to find it. I, I have to look further, but it seems to be, like, the the farm family. I think their ancestor with the mayor. But 
Maybe they're related to Link's family. Link's family traditionally are ranchers. And it is the ranchers who um, are the ones who helped invent cheese. It's really only Twilight Princess Link's family that are ranchers. So it has to be him specifically. Because most Links are descended from the Knight bloodline. Yes. Well, I mean, the thing is that Knight isn't an occupation in and of itself most of the time in The Legend of Zelda. Most of the time. Historically, they always refer to knights as these warriors because that's how they're remembered. Because if you fight Ganon, you're just a warrior. But when you're not fighting Ganon, you still have to like go home and grow food. I think there is a difference between knight and soldier. The people that guard the castle are soldiers. Now, Crystal, we agree that the hero's shade is the grudge left behind by the hero of time. Yes, of course. And that <laughs> the fact that he shares a bloodline with Twilight Princess Link implies that the hero's shade uh, helped run Lon Lon Ranch. That's correct. So uh, that being the case, I would say that the hero of time was a knight, but he was also a rancher. Yeah, I would say he chose the life of a rancher, even though his father was a knight. Was Link's father a knight? Didn't he fight in the war? We don't was know. The implication? Did I make that up? It, it was a very, very popular theory back in the day. But I think the only character of his that we know about for sure is that his mother was a wounded refugee. Yes. Okay. Because war came. Actually, I, hmm, yeah, 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 yeah. Now I'm just thinking about this shit again. There's a lot going on in Ocarina, the Ocarina of Time to Twilight Princess period of Zelda storytelling. The Aonuma years were indeed quite dense with their interconnections. Link to the past, he was definitely of the Knight bloodline. Yes. I kind of like Link as part of the rancher bloodline, though. Oh, you know what? It's the manga that casts Ocarina Link Father as a knight. Or at least a soldier. Oh, that would make sense. I mean, that's suit that that is a very soft supplementary possible canon. You could take that as a source of ideas, even if they're not necessarily shown in the text. Anyway, you 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 invent pizza. <laughs> you invent pizza, uh, and, and you help a bunch of people get together. But that was part of the quest to support the current mayor. Yes, and you, the current mayor is like, "We'll do this through food," and Cece's like, "We'll do this through fashion." And I have to be honest: if I have to pick between being hot and eating good food, I will eat good food. Yeah, I'd vote for the food as well. Well, it's easy when you're naturally hot, but. <laughs> Uh, so the the quest after you do the, the cheese thing and the handing of the mushrooms thing, um, Cece's been sneaking around at night and her sister wants you to find out why. And the mayor has also been sneaking around at night. And I don't remember if the wife says it, but you have to find out why. I didn't think that they were making out with each other. But no. <laughs> the thought did occur to me. They might be colluding. Oh, really? You thought that the mayor might be uh, running around on his wife? For a moment. Did you get that far, Crystal? No, I, I dropped this basically at the beginning. Oh, okay. Well, you have to figure out where the mayor is going at night, what he's doing in his shed. And to do it, you have to get into the uh, tunnel system under the city that's linked together by the different wells and ascend up into the shed when he's not in it. What I really thought was that this was going to be a reverse thing where the mayor actually really likes fashion. He's just not open about it. That's that's not what's going on, though. He's 
writing in his journal, trying to figure out a way to improve the town. And he agrees that there has to be something that captures the idea or the uh, interests of the youth. And so he devises a, a mushroom pumpkin. Yes. But no, it's the sunkin. The sunkin? But it's like mushroom shaped. The sumpkin. It's 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 not a mushroom, though he was thinking about a one that has mushroom like spots, but the actual one that they come up with It's shaped like a mushroom. It is shaped the sun pumpkin is shaped like a mushroom. You're super right. It's shaped like a mushroom. It acts like a dandy a Sunday lion. He he's trying to synthesize what the kids like with the more rural produce. We make the vegetables into Pokemon. Yes, they make the vegetables. They they then they'll Pokemon go to the polls and vote for me. Uh. Whereas Cece's thing, you follow her, and she talks. She literally talks like she's above the rural lifestyle of Ateno, right? Yeah, no, she definitely think, she thinks herself is better than the drab people of Ateno. Okay, well, every night she goes into the um, vegetable silo. Silo. And gorges herself on carrots. Just on carrots? Just fistfuls of them. Just vegetables. Raw vegetables. Just raw vegetables nonstop. I feel like if I ate if I ate just one whole raw carrot, that would fill me up for like a week. This is like a, a, a giant binge. Yes. Cece is a woman of heft, and she didn't get to have her hometown's carrots while she was away. Aww. So she's, she's a bumpkin at heart. At heart, she is a bumpkin, which is what this whole sequence is really about. And she really, really, really values Hateno's produce and has nothing against it and doesn't want to supersede that, which is part of what you have to make clear in the election. So next time there's a sunny day, they hold the election and everybody comes together and Cece's like, look, I withdraw from the race, even though... It seemed like she was probably about to win because everybody really liked her mushroom buttons. And it's agreed that the mayor's office probably has too much cultural influence. So Cece and the mayor split responsibilities where she's working directly with the mayor's office as a kind of cultural liaison to the rest of Hyrule. Small towns, they're invigorated, but you can't lose their historical small town feeling it's an extremely small town side quest that i expect hits very different if you're from a small town in japan yeah this is terry town is really the the town built from the ground up to be a cosmopolitan center but this is just an old farming town that's gotten a little too big for its britches yeah whole cosmopolitan construction center where all the houses suck shit and are built with no sense of like architecture as art or anything like that whereas a hundred years from now when there's a hateno city this will be the old quarter with historically preserved buildings yes it'll be exactly like new orleans i guess except not sinking into the sea (laughs) you laugh man but new orleans may not be around in another 50 years (sighs) the whole of louisiana doesn't feel like it's gonna be there in 50 years i mean some of it is fairly higher above sea level but that there's there's quite a couple of kilometers inland that aren't going to be there in New Orleans. Go ahead, Crystal. No, I was just I was just yawning. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not going to be good. Climate change is going to hit uh, my old home state pretty fucking hard. That's sad to think about. It is. It is sad to think about. It's still there now, but we're going to end up with a lot of uh, 
people think of climate refugees as this remote thing that happens in other countries, but there's going to be a lot of climate refugees in the United States, too. Yeah, America has a lot of coastal cities. That's just a fucking fact. I don't even know what other coastal towns are going to be like. Like, the fuck is New York going to do? Great question. Great question. And nobody's very interested in answering it, especially Joe Biden. Sorry, I, 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 got, I caught myself staring into the distance a little bit there. What other towns are in Hyrule? <laughs> there are no more towns. Oh, no, there's Kakariko. Okay. But, but maybe we should return to Lookout Landing first. Okay. What's okay. it? Okay. Because we have finished all of the regional side quests. Or quests. Oh, I see. Okay. The regional main quests. And uh, everybody's staring at the castle. Right. Yes. Okay. Now, Crystal, you did do this part. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. A bunch of ruins have fallen. Wait, no, we're not in Kakarik. We're in Lookout Landing, right? Yes, Lookout Landing. Okay, remind me what quests we're doing. Uh, Zelda standing at the castle. Yes, of course. You have to go to the castle and find Zelda just to watch her disappear. I think I did this pretty early on, like before I did even any of the main quests. The thing is that this particular sequence, you're thinking of the pre-main quest thing where you get the paraglider. We're ta- oh, yeah. This is when you fight the phantom, right? Yes. yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I gotcha. I'm synced up. So tell us about this. You have to fight your way into the castle and keep chasing this image of Zelda all across. Every time you feel like you're about to get her, you have to find you have to fight a boss and then watch her disappear somewhere else. And eventually she leads you all across the castle until you get to the throne room. Then you get a cool cutscene. Where the I puppet really like... finally reveals herself. I really like the the initial part where she's calling to Link specifically to come to her. Nintendo's not going to do anything major with that, but I hope the fanficers are. Yeah. I think that this is simultaneously like the confrontation with Phantom Zelda in the Sanctum is simultaneously one of the best scenes in the entire game. Do either of you agree with that? I agree. Yeah. But it's also one where I wish they had gone in even harder. They should have gone in so much harder. This is where all the fanfic potential is. Yes. In the relationship between Puppet Zelda and Link. The tension that he knows this is his enemy, but it looks like his wife. And there's there's just so fucking much there. Because we probably assume he, he does know we, we are Link. And we definitively know it's not Zelda. Crystal, do you point. think he knows? How could he not know? Okay, okay. Maybe if... You are Link, but you're a 10-year-old playing your first game. And you're like, (gasps) That's the only possibility I can think of that, yeah, doesn't support that. But yes, a little bit more of that tension, a little bit more. If you had had to fight Phantom Ganon in Zelda's shape, that would have been the hypest thing of all. But it's not. Let's let's read out the lines. I don't have the lines. Crystal, I'll send you the YouTube. In the throne room, you mean? Yeah. I have it up. Okay, please. Okay, you two handle this. What do you think? Hyrule Castle, perfect and glorious. Does it awaken memories? Memories of our time here? Well, really take in every detail. After all, this place will be the last thing you ever see. Yeah. Uh, Pausing slightly here. It's really weird of 
Phantom Ganon slash Phantom Zelda to restore this sanctum room. Well, I mean, it's not really restored. It's just a... To magic it back. Yeah, but it's like fucky weird. It's nice and fucky weird, but they haven't seen this room. No. This room means nothing to them. Drawing on Link's memory. Yeah, I guess. The thought or possibility occurred to me that maybe Phantom Ganon is more in touch with the Calamity being a phantom. Oh, so it's drawing on the Calamity's memories. The memories that still hang in the air because this is where the Calamity was trapped for a century. What do you think, Crystal? Hmm. The Calamity would have, might have even absorbed some memories from Zelda. That is possible. That's extremely possible. So you think this could, in a roundabout way, be drawing on Zelda's memories? I think so. That's why he's able to imitate Zelda so well. Ooh. Interesting. They do in the past as well, but certainly they seem somewhat better at it this time. It's just the idea that the Phantom Ganon represents a half... It's clearly under the control of the Demon King, but it also represents a halfway point between the Demon King and the Calamity. Yes. Yeah. That's very cool. Uh, Ganondorf, Demon King guy, does speak to you at this point, too. Uh, Crystal, please continue. The fabled swordsman who endured my corruption, who has persisted in slaughtering my servants. No matter, you will not live to see another sunrise. Did my puppet entertain you? She made it so easy to mislead you, to keep you occupied. Did he? But did such he, an indirect approach is no longer needed. It's just that... There's he, one more line. He called the puppet she. End this hero's life, my dark servants. Cut him down. That's right, he did call the puppet she. Yes. That, this is one heck of a sequence. <laughs> yes, there's a lot going on here. This, th- this, this is the fanfic, fan art. A, a gen, a, this is the genesis of a very interesting set of dynamics. To me, in this sequence, as Puppet Zelda transforms back into Malice or Gloom and sort of takes on Demon King Ganon's uh, dehydrated form, it seems to be coming back into an awareness, like being reset um, before it actually fights you. So you're saying that Puppet Zelda no longer exists and is kind of cast aside. Yes, I would say so. Crystal, what do you think, looking at it? What we see is Puppet Zelda dissolving into gas, and then that gas reforms into Phantom Ganon. Yeah. And as before she dissolves, she does the whole, like, puppet hands on strings sort of thing, but it, the strings have been cut. Yes. Which is a very good visual. Uh-huh. Would you have rather fought Zelda here? Definitely. 100%. Yeah... Yeah. No question. Yeah. I I don't know why anyone would say not. Why wouldn't they do that? I, it's one more unique boss fight to design. It would have been a nice thing to do. It would have been very nice. Do you see that sort of as a reflecto battle like in Twilight Princess? Or would she have her own moves? Or would it be a lot more similar to Gandorf in this games? I think that... Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild's combat system doesn't lend itself to uh, the Dead Man's Volley very well because it's much less focused on lock-on in general than the older games. 
You know what game has a dead man's volley boss fight? What game? Lies of P. <gasps> Bullshit. It has one. It's not what you do for the whole fight, but you do it for a significant portion of the fight. Oh my god. Okay. It can be done. It's doable. Who's the boss? Uh, no, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Am I likely okay. to run into them when I play? Yeah. Okay. This is a main, main line boss. Cameron doesn't want spoilers. No. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. I would have liked Dead Man's Volley, I guess. Or it would be really cool if she picked up the spear and the giant ass sword and the... Yeah, even if it's just a Phantom Ganon fight using Zelda's model instead, that still would have been incredible. But uh, you fight a dehydrated Phantom Ganon form, and afterwards it bursts into four arms of gloom and comes towards Link, and Link tries to block with his hands? Yeah, it's uh, set up as if you don't have the Master Sword yet. Did you have the Master Sword, Crystal? I had the Master Sword. Yeah. I think all three of us (laughs) got the Master Sword pretty early. It didn't quite make sense for the place we were at. But uh, your friends are here. The sages show up and they smash away the gloom. And they don't recognize the Demon King, even though they had the whole situation explained to them. They're like, Demon... And he's like, I su- it, they're like, Demon King? Ganondorf? And he's like, I suppose the secret stones don't impart all knowledge. And he's, they're like, secret stones? <laughs> I. They definitely were warned about the Demon King, but I guess they don't know how he looks like. Yeah. So... Maybe on some level they didn't believe it until this moment. Reading between the lines, if we are saying the plot of this game is basically Gandorf is restoring himself, besmirching Zelda's name, and then he'll pop up and resolve the issue. I guess he was trying to kill the sages because in effect he's like, shoot, if they get in touch with the sacred stones, they'll remember me. And that will ruin my plan of being the, the magical guy who appears and fixes the place. And then he's like, I didn't have to do that. I guess it makes sense. But in any case, um, I didn't actually look at the video just now. Crystal, did you say that Zelda melts into gloom before returning to the shape of Phantom Ganon? That's right. Okay. Does that imply that the actual shape of Phantom Ganon is the gloom? I think that's what it implies. And the gloom can take whatever form it wishes. Okay. And at the end of the game... Ganondorf himself is basically bathing in gloom to regain his strength. Yes. Suppose the gloom isn't from Ganondorf, but it's the actual, like, elemental embodiment of darkness that he's tapping into and taking control of, which is why there's no Sage of Darkness in this era. Hmm. But there was a Sage of Darkness in the previous era. There was, yes. It just seems to imply to me that... He is tapping into a power and shaping it. He's not so much the... He's not like Manus, the father of the abyss. He is someone who is taking hold of the darkness and shaping it into something else. The Phantom Ganon would exist without him. It just wouldn't be in the shape of the Phantom Ganon. Is the underground the bottom of the well? The curse of... Huh. In many ways, it kind of is, isn't it? Can you expand on that? The bottom of the well and the Shadow Temple is where all the evil spirits murdered by the Sheikah gather and grow powerful with their grudge. Which kind of sounds a little bit like gloom. Hmm. 
So all of that condensed hatred turned into literal malice or gloom. No, malice is very different from gloom. Because gloom is darkness, but malice is hate and hunger, and it is change. There, there's a difference here. I'm not quite sure exactly what it is, but I think, I think you're hitting on something, Crystal. You're hitting on something. The idea that whatever Bongo Bongo was, whatever Dead Hand was, that same fundamental pain and trauma is still down beneath the earth. And maybe it wasn't in Ganondorf's time. But it certainly is now, and it's far vaster and wider than anything that can be contained in a single man. Is this a good point to talk about uh, Taira no Masakado? Let's talk about him. Monica, you get talking. I'm going to clean that up. Okay. Mochi is... uh, Making a mess. Making a mess. But I will start this off by saying uh, Hyrule uh, Interview... um, which is a fantastic resource online. Uh, They're collating all quotes about the Zelda games and series and some extensive Nintendo stuff uh, in a a Notion uh, wiki, basically. But uh, as part of Linktober, they produced this quote for the Ganondorf or Ganon Day. Uh, Takizawa says, For Breath of the Wild, we talked about how the latest Ganon is the same as Taira no Masakado's vengeful spirit. It is something that has become ingrained in nature, like a typhoon in the real world, a thing that is beyond human control. From there, it became a story of calamity. I was worried about the way to express it until the end. To begin with, in an open-air world, it is difficult to depict why villains are villains. Fujibayashi says, that's why it didn't need words. It had to be overwhelmingly bad. And Takizawa says, From there, we began to create a worldview by concentrating on key phrases such as an uncontrollable vengeful spirit overflowing with malice or deep-seated grudge. So this is about the Calamity Ganon. Yes. And the person they're referencing is a, uh, a guy from... Uh, 10th century Japan, who led a rebellion, but then after he died, he he kind of became a local demigod that, like, you had to appease at the shrine, <laughs> and if you didn't, then bad things would happen. Yes. So, I like the idea that you have to appease malevolent gods, too. It's a pretty weird story. I dove into a... a, a fucking a, sick is what it is. <laughs> I dove into the wiki and also a Guardian article about uh, Masakado. So he was a Heian period provincial magnate and apparently dubbed the first samurai. Uh, legends sprang up about him being invulnerable except for the top of his head where his serpent mother failed to lick him. So like uh, Achilles. Wait, Seriously? Yes, this is from the Guardian article. Crystal, there's Achilles in Japan. Cool. Uh, Initially, historically, it seems like uh, he had a feud with his extended family, either over uh, an elder brother claiming his land or a dispute over a woman. Possibly that his wife's family didn't like her moving in with him, which was contrary to the norms of the time where uh, wives would live with their parents and... The husband either lived with them, like moved in with them, or the husband would come visit, which is really interesting. It's called matrilocal. Um, 
But the first attack was apparently by his family members. He didn't initiate it. The government got involved and uh, he, I think, beat everybody. And he was quite successful until sometime later, he declared himself the new emperor, the Shino. And uh, as an omen, a vast swarm of butterflies appeared in Kyoto alongside rainbows. That's so cool. And he had a maxim, this is from the Guardian article, that apparently later uh, samurai and the the shogunate thing uh, seemed to really resonate with, which is the people of this world will always anoint their sovereigns through victory in combat. Wow, he basically defined all of fucking shonen storytelling right there. This is Demon King Ganondorf. This is the Demon King Ganondorf. So the Demon King Ganondorf is based on the man, while the Calamity is based on the deity. Yes. So what happens to Masakado? He was defeated. It didn't seem like it lasted that long, the revolution or revolt. And he was beheaded. His head was taken to Kyoto, um, but the body was buried and left behind. And supposedly the body, uh, the head was hung up, but it was screaming at night for the body. And uh, he was, he caused such reverberations or concerns that apparently this guy was praying for the the head not to come back to Kanto, um, where it was slain for revenge. And either that guy, a priest, or the gods, the kami, uh, shot down the head as it was searing through the sky howling towards Kanto and they shot it down with a bow and (laughs) there's a little shrine where supposedly the head hit but the head then was taken and buried in a small fishing village which became the future site of Edo which became Tokyo and the fishermen enshrined it respectfully with a gravestone charm to try to prevent its escape even though lightning strikes and strange apparitions continued. That's a great ghost story. There's more. Oh. <laughs> it's a very inter- I, I kind of went off the deep end. Yeah, you kind of did, and we're kind of going off I'm the deep sorry. end. sorry. It's okay, it's okay. Crystal, are you okay with continuing on with this? Yeah, let's hear more. Uh, so over time, uh, he was semi-deified. Uh, the locals were supposedly impressed by his stand against the central government. Hell yeah. While at the same time, also felt the need to appease his vengeful spirit called an onryo. And uh, a variety of successes or natural disasters seemed correlated to how well the shrine is maintained. So the, the actual shrine where his head is uh, entombed is now in the financial uh, district of Tokyo, like right outside of the Imperial Palace which is a very expensive strip of property. Um, His daughter was rumored to be a sorceress with frogs, frogs being a kairu, or a pun on to return. And uh, yeah, I guess as Tokyo grew into prominence with the shogunate, um, he was admired for his vision. Right. And I just noted a variety of uh, malicious incidents that occurred. So in 1874... The government proclaimed him an en- enemy of the emperor, trying to end his divine status. But then the finance ministry burned to the ground in 1923, which is right beside his grave. Right. Then the replacement building, there were f- 14 deaths in five years, including the finance minister. 
and they uh, acknowledged afterwards that they bulldozed his grave during the construction. Oh. So the grave was restored in 1928, and they brought in a, piece, a priest to try to pacify the place, but they forgot to put the stone slab with the spells to <laughs> prevent his escape back. And in 1940... Uh, yeah, this is getting good, huh, Crystal? <laughs> it's just funny to me, like, there are very obvious explanations for all of these events, <laughs> yes. but, like, I understand why this legend would form. But it's also, like, years. Like, this is 1928, right? So in 1940, nine nearby offices were destroyed in a lightning strike, and it was sort of attributed to this. Anyway, the stone was put back, and in 1945... Uh, but in 1945, a bulldozer overturned uh, in the area. What the fuck? And killed the driver. And the U.S. Army was trying to make the area into a car park. But oh, they right. were like, yes. uh, yeah, like, let's <laughs> not, not leave this the one. area alone. Not this one. Um, sometime later, the Mitsui Finance Corporation tried to sell the mining rights to the land where the shrine was. I'm now choosing to believe that this spirit was behind the killing of John Fitzgerald Kennedy. <laughs> um, but the company went bankrupt in 2002, also attributed to the ghost. That's my favorite one. It's like, oh, why did this company in dire financial straits go bankrupt? Because of a ghost. It's not the, uh, the, the Japan financial crisis of that era. Fucking hell, yeah. Um, anyway, this... Uh, belief in appeasing the spirit has grown such or was such at the time that the Tokyo Mitsubishi Bank opened a bank account in his name and uh, other banking structures or buildings in the area have apparently been set up in a way so no one can look down on him from above and apparently at some point uh, the different people who occupy the building were also instructed not to turn their backs to it. And the shrine was tidied up and even upgraded, uh, even though around that time of that reconstruction, uh, there was an earthquake in the area where his body was buried. This story fucking rules. <laughs> anyway, the vengeful spirit was a lot more than the man. That's just like Ganon. <laughs> that's just like Ganon. I love that story. That, that, that's great. I love the idea that they have to continue to treat him with respect even though he's been dead for a thousand years. I find it fascinatingly contradictory how, I guess, the people, some people at least, really like the fact that he tried to stick it up to the government Absolutely. and the emperor. And then the shogun were like, yeah, yeah, power rules. Yeah, the shogun basically guaranteed that actually he won in the end. <laughs> well, for some time, I guess. Yeah. But it's just such a weird, bizarre, like... Do we celebrate? I guess we do celebrate in, in Western areas, rebels. We like to, yeah. I don't know if they're celebrated much in China. Uh, I don't know. I don't know Chinese history. Yeah, fair enough. Everyone loves John Dillinger. Which one's that? He's a famous bank robber. Ah. Oh, hell yeah. We love to see bank robbers. He robbed banks during the Great Depression. Very popular figure. Yeah, that would be that, that dude's a hero too, but he's not Ganon like this guy clearly is. Nobody's the idea ghost that rises. No, <laughs> no fucking buildings can overlook that grave. Nobody can turn their back on it into well into what we would uh, in our hubris call the age of reason. And the 
the financial district is a very, very expensive, like the real estate is crazy. And that place is cursed. <laughs> it's like every, it's like when you, you ever see that comic where they're going into a boxing ring and one guy is getting ready to box and the other guy goes through the motions to start doing the Kamehameha. Yeah. And the first guy goes, nope, I quit. And they interview him later, like, why'd you quit like that? He says, I know he probably can't do it, but I'm not going to be the one to fuck around and find out if he actually can. <laughs> that's smart. That's And I think that's why you don't try to build on top of this fucking grave. Even if you're a billionaire or banker, man, you're like, it's probably not real, but do I want to be the guy who proves that it is? Yeah, yeah. And if you experience any sort of slight uh, misfortune, they're going to attribute it to that and say you're if anybody decides to burn down your house. Yeah. Even decades later. Even decades later. Anyway. I love a good curse. I love a good curse. And I think that does really well at expanding on the relationship and difference between the Calamity and the Demon King. Yes. And given that we have now completed everything that went on in Hyrule Castle... And the next thing that we have to do is go to Kakariko Village, which is actually the first step in doing the Spirit Temple. I think this might be a good time to transition into emails. I agree. Yay! If you'd like to send in an email, please send to bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. That is bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. First email from Zoo. Hey, Crystal, Monica, and Cameron. I just thought of an interesting concept that I need to mull over. And I'm curious about your thoughts on it. The idea is that Princess Zelda from Ocarina of Time is very much like her Tears of the Kingdom counterpart. At the end of Oot, when she returned Link to his child form, she used Recall on him. I currently have no opinion on whether the Sage's Medallions are a rebranded secret stone or not, but the Ocarina of Time could be a reformed Sage Medallion. We see Zelda have the same powers that she has in Tears of the Kingdom, light and time powers. These can be seen when she bestows the light arrows upon you, and the act of sending Link back is just one of a few instances of her time powers. Another instance of her time powers could be the prophecies and visions she had. Also, the visions she gives Link through the Dragon Tears can be viewed as her giving Link a view of the past through time manipulation. I believe the cutscenes start with a discoloration, similar to the hues associated with Recall, which would be comparable to the vision Link receives upon retrieving the Ocarina of Time. Just before you continue, how do we feel about the idea of Zelda's light and time powers being grounded in her Ocarina of Time version? There's definitely parallels there. I think these are legitimate comparisons. Yeah, I agree. And much like Tears of the Kingdom, Zelda is... she's not even termed a particular sage but she seems like the sage of time the seventh sage in that one because there is already a sage of light rar yeah that's what she's popularly called yeah i'm sorry crystal please continue now that i am almost three episodes through your tears of the kingdom coverage i agree with both positions for how to cover the story yeah i agree with cameron's approach as it makes more sense doing it in the order he proposed and i agree with crystal and monica's order because hearing cameron's reaction to it has been gold I also agree with what Crystal said about the hero's aspect, although I had to pause the podcast. 
I think the hero's aspect is a full head-to-toe suit of armor. Full-on fur suit. What, wait, which aspect? <laughs> the hero's aspect that makes you look like the ancient hero. Oh, yes, the fursuit. <laughs> Keep up the great work, and during the off-season between Zelda games, I would love a series of one-shots or tangents where you three talk about any game. It doesn't have to be some deep lore dive with tons of invested hours. Just hearing you three talk about whatever games happen to be on your mind. Sincerely, Zoo. Thank you, Zoo. Well, thank you. Thank you. We're, we're definitely at least doing a Lies of P episode. That's right. I've been playing Tunic recently, and that's really fun. That game's so cool. Did you play it, Crystal? I watched someone play through uh, it. Ah. I, I, I was sold it as a Link's Awakening, and it's a Dark Souls. It, it is definitely a Dark Souls more than a Link's Awakening, though its, it's uh, aesthetics are very Link's Awakening. I'm enjoying it. Well... Maybe we can do a Tunic episode. I don't know. But we're definitely doing a Liza P episode. Yep. And of course, we still, after we're done with Tears of the Kingdom, got to do another M episode at some point. We should read through the Book of the New Sun. Oh. Oh, Jesus. Hell yeah. (laughs) Let's compete with Range Touch. They're doing also a Book of the New Sun podcast. Really? Yes. Well, it, it does need to be noted that... Whereas others are like, oh, we're going to talk about literature, or oh, we're going to be talking about video games. The Book of Medora, at its heart, is just three friends shooting the shit. That's right. And theory crafting. We'll theory craft anything. Jesus, yeah, we sure will. There's a lot to theory craft in the Book of the New Sun. Yeah, Jesus, there sure is. You could devote maybe one episode per chapter. Yeah, yeah. That would run forever. Yeah. Who should take this next one, Crystal? You do it. Okay. This is uh, another letter from Zoo. Zoo uh, writes in, Hey, Crystal, Monica, and Cameron. In my last email, I said I agree with Crystal that it is an entire suit of armor. However, I have a new theory. As is the case with my last email, this idea just popped into my head, so I haven't had time to really think about it. Those are the best kinds of theories. What if we go on the theory that the Picari are the Zonai? What if they don't change in an instant? What if it was a gradual change? If you look at a picture of a Picari next to a picture of Zonai, the hero's aspect looks as though it could be a mid, a f- form of mid-evolution. Also, furthering the idea from one of my prior emails about the placement in the Accursed Timeline, the idea that the backstory of Tears of the Kingdom takes place before any other game in the Accursed Branch aside from the curse itself. Though I like the idea that Demise is a form of the Calamity because fuck getting rid of Ganondorf's agency. Nothing is preventing the Zonai from appearing in both branches from Skyward Sword. Additionally, the idea that the Zonai are the interlopers in Twilight Princess's backstory can be supported by Midna's ultra-hand-like hair. She does have ultra-hand hair, actually. On the topic of Demise, if he has conquered time, perhaps he is an iteration of Ganondorf, or Ganondorf's phantoms or puppets. Even if Demise and Skyward Sword's backstory takes place after Tears of the Kingdom's backstory, Demise is somehow an incarnation of Ganondorf. But with him having conquered time, he went back to the before Tears of the Kingdom's backstory. Sorry for my ramblings. I don't really have anyone to talk to about this stuff, especially as my wife hasn't beaten Tears of the Kingdom yet. And we don't want to talk around it, talk about it around my less than five-year-old children. I don't know if I even like any ideas I've sent in, but I want to get them out there. Sincerely, Zoo. Well, Zoo, let me tell you, it's never too early to get your kids inundated on weird Zelda stuff. I'm looking at a picture of a, a Minish, and they do have tails. They're little mouse people. They do have long ears. They do have tails. 
They're funny little mouse guys. They have hair. They do have hair. Crystal, what do you think of the idea that the ancient hero is a midpoint between the Minish and the Zonai? The snout of the ancient hero is a little bit like a Bikori snout. It's possible. It's possible. But it would suggest a lot of things about the timeline, wouldn't it? Where did the Minish go? The Minish are, regardless of how you look at it or where you normally place it on the timeline, typically it's put somewhere between Skyward Sword and Ocarina of Time. I mean, where did they go at the end of the game? There's the Minish realm. The Picari, ah. they, they, they peace out. A separate well, they're, realm. They're, wait, do they really leave the physical realm of Hyrule, or are they just tiny still? No, they go back to the Minish the realm through closes. the Minish door. There was a door. Oh, okay. What do we make of that? I can't remember. Did the town Minish and the forest Minish also leave, or was it just the ones that were through the door that left for good? I don't remember. Did magic leave the earth? No, no maybe. Maybe. Who can say? I feel like the demise theory thrown out here does kind of line up with the idea that demise could be some incarnation of, if not Ganondorf, then the Calamity or something. Because if it has conquered time, then it could also come from the future. Though I don't know that I agree that that's what was meant in the original version. Demise only conquers time because of absorbing some amount of Hylia, right? I don't think that's what was meant. Why not? I don't know. It's... How does he conquer time? Crystal, how do you think Demise conquers time? How does Demise conquer time? Monica, say your idea again. My idea is that it is at the point when Demise absorbs a large part of the goddess Hylia, goddess related that, to time. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. I think that's the best explanation. I got nothing. <laughs> Uh, who am I to try to overrule two of you? It's fine. Well, uh, there's no specific lines around it. I just assumed that as a matter of course, which I'm, I'm only realizing now some people might not interpret it that way. Yeah, you're, you're married to one of them. Huh. Weird. Weird indeed, Monica. Weird indeed. So I guess, Monica, you can go ahead and read this next one. Okay. Also from Sue. Hey, Crystal, Monica, and Cameron. Apparently something triggered in me to start emailing what feels like every other day, not actually that frequently. It's all coming together. <laughs> um, I stumbled upon this comparison shot of Julian Peaks from Tears of the Kingdom's backstory and present day, and I was curious if you noticed this and what your thoughts would be regarding this. Attached is the picture in question. I don't recall you guys mentioning it, though I could have easily missed it or forgotten. And I didn't include this in the text document that I sent. But it's a picture showing the dueling peaks and the backstory of Tears of the Kingdom as one mountain, and then a picture of the dueling peaks in the time of Breath of the Wild when it is two mountains. At some point, it got cut in half. By the dragons? Could just be erosion. Well, the story is that a dragon cut it because the mountain was in its way. A water dragon? No. No, it's just a dragon. And I actually wonder if it might have been one of the dark dragons. A dark dragon? You know, the enormous dark dragon skeletons that lie in the depths. Could a dragon be a metaphor for a river? Yes. That. <laughs> I mean, the, the answer there is yes. Crystal's taking the Zelda science approach. <laughs> we live in the age of Zelda reason, is what Crystal is saying. There's no need to believe in dragons or gods. 
when we I'm know just saying how to erosion. The time scale we are operating on is sufficient for good old fashioned erosion. I don't know if. Yeah, okay. Sure. Why the fuck not? Uh, but erosion would have happened in a very strange way here. To very cleanly cut a mountain in half from the top? Well, uh, I'm assuming that maybe if we're talking about erosion, it would come through the bottom and then the tops, the, the, the rock was softer there, so it eventually collapsed down. But the river is not that big currently, and there's nothing to really indicate the pathing was a lot stronger in the past, like the Grand Canyon. There's no canyon. canyon. Right. Right. It's like flattish. Why not indeed? But it definitely would have been split before the backstory of Breath of the Wild because the shrines are in there. Yes. So it was at least split before the Great War with the Calamity where the ancient hero participated. Or during that war. Hyrule is littered with the ruins of ancient forgotten wars. Yep. It's great. Now, Crystal, I'm not sure if we read this one already or if I just reacted to it in line. I don't think we've read I don't, I don't think recognize read. this. Okay. Did we read this? No. Okay. Uh, hello, Crystal, Monica, and Cameron. While you are obviously got your own three-pronged take on the timeline, I'd like to present an alternative based loosely on Turn A Gundam's correct century. To give some background, the original Gundam series and its sequels are set in the Universal Century, from UC 0079 to UC 0223. These decades of continuity eventually became unwieldy for newcomers, so they made a spin-off series and other unrelated timelines. G Gundam in Future Century, Gundam Wing in After Colony, and so on. The newest one, which for Mercury, is set in Ad Stella. But then, in Turn A Gundam, director Yoshiyuki Tomino decided to pull a Breath of the Wild and have every timeline be canonical precursors to the correct century, even the mutually exclusive ones. Basically, 1. Civilization rises, mechs are created, various anime happen. 2. Someone wipes away everything via nanomachines, resetting civilization to the Stone Age. Whoa. 3. Thousands of years pass. 4. Civilization rises, mechs are created, Various other anime happen. 5. Repeat 1 through 4 for tens of thousands of years of dark history predating the correct century. 6. Many thousands of years later, Turn A Gundam happens. So, what I'd like to suggest for Zelda then 1. The Kingdom of Hyrule is founded. 2. Eventually, it is completely wiped away by Ganon et al. 3. Many years pass, and history becomes legend. 4. The Kingdom of Hyrule is founded. 5. Repeat 1 through 4 many, many times, with every game just being in one singular timeline, and Ocarina of Time happening four times in different loops. One leading to Majora's Mask, one to Link to the Past, one to Wind Waker, and one is the past scenes of Tears of the Kingdom. 6. Many thousands of years later, Rauru founds the Kingdom of Hyrule. Is this completely unfounded speculation? Absolutely. But that's what makes it fun, isn't it? Regards, Dan. I respect it. You respect single timeline theorists. I do. I do because it goes in so hard. <laughs> I, I'm still caught at the Ocarina of Time happening four plus times. I mean, it kind of has to in, in this version of it. 
I mean, it already happens multiple times on our timeline. We just have it split across multiple timelines. It kind of happens once, but then different things come from that. Yeah. That's different. It, I'm not saying that it's wrong, but it's different. Listen, if somebody walks in and slaps the shit out of me in three different timelines, does it happen once or does it happen three times? Do you each time try to plot the same plot and do we each time try to stop you as shit kids using the same mechanics? Crystal, if I get my shit slapped in three different timelines, does it happen once or three times? It happens three times. Thank you, Crystal. <laughs> really? Yep, okay. No, it happens once. <laughs> and then there's three from that. To me, the idea of the time scale being so elongated that everything happens on a single timeline is not a fundamentally different idea from the games just being completely unrelated because they're all legends. Yes. yes. It basically has the same outcome. Yes, mm -hmm. you're utterly correct. And this isn't a new idea. No? No, I, I don't think it is. I've, I've heard this before that the history of Hyrule is actually just so long that all the games happen on a single timeline because the time scale described is so vast that civilization could happen over and over and over in it. This does stand out and is different from single link theory. Nobody is a single link. <laughs> no, single link theory. Those are the people I really respect. <laughs> no, that's so absurd that it doesn't even merit respect. <laughs> So I would mm, now I'm mad <laughs> making the 10 year old Cameron jump out. Yeah, a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I this is a perfectly fine theory. I really appreciate how it's being compared to turn a Gundam, which I've never watched. It took me a moment to, to learn how to pronounce that. Yeah, it's a turned a you see. For our, for but it's also a mathematical symbol that means summation. Huh. Because it's a summation of all the timelines. For, okay. for our listeners, it's an upside down capital A. Huh. As if it has been turned 180 degrees. Uh, how was Turn A Gundam received? I know that the Great Gundam Project considers it to be self-evidently the best Gundam. To the point where it's hard to even compare it to anything else. That's... Interesting. I don't trust Gundam fans when they say which one's the best, though. I mean, that is an interesting, like, it could go many directions, and utter shit is a, a, the the place that I would That's where you be first worried. expect. Yes. You say be worried, but when Monica says that she's worried about something, she means she expects that to be the case. Yes, it's the trailer for Superman. The Man of Steel? Man of Steel. Yeah, Monica saw the trailer for man of steel and she says i'm worried that's going to be bad what she meant was that's going to be bad she was making a prediction i see this also extended to metroid other m's commercial Ugh. and you know what don't also say avengers what avengers endgame and oh. the other one okay. infinity war i thought you were about to say lords of shadow 2 oh no that one caught me off okay maybe i don't remember the trailer so crystal you're not for this theory it's not my speed, no. Yeah, I like our multiple timeline theory more. I can see why someone would set this up, but I agree with you that it is effectively the same as saying this is just an anthology series. Which is a perfectly fine reading of it, but it kind of that's ends not, that's not us. discussion. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, yes, obviously the series is actually an anthology series that's very loosely tied together, but that's not that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> I'll uh I'll take this next one. Hi, Chris. Hi, Monica, Crystal, and Cameron. I'm Simone from Italy. 
I hope you all are healthy and happy. I've been a Zelda fan since I was a kid, but I only started really thinking about the timeline when I found your podcast, which I really enjoy. Wow. My question is, how is the white sword of the sky in Tears of the Kingdom? Is it not the goddess sword? Can it become a master sword as well? This is a very good question. That's an excellent question, Simone. I, I'm still caught up in the, the comment that the, the timeline, Simone has been thinking of the timeline after finding our podcast independently. Our silly bullshit has affected more than zero people, which is very weird to think about. What? Crystal, okay. do, do you have an answer for the for how is the white sword here? So in the accursed timeline. We originally had it the- being made into the four sword. Yes, that's right. But that's clearly not the case. And the, then the four sword was broken by Ganon busting out. Yes. How did the goddess sword get here? I think we have to abandon the idea that the goddess sword was made into the four sword. But that's such a good idea. I know. I know it's a good idea. It sounded so cool when we first came up with it. Well, theoretically, couldn't there be another timeline? Split, split off from fucking from Skyward Sword. Split off from uh, an unreleased first Zelda. Okay, please explain. Uh, split off from an unreleased alternate version of Skyward Sword. Okay. Is there any room for another perceived timeline? Is my question. From Skyward Sword? Yes. I don't know where it would split off. That's fair. We may have to abandon the Picori thing, unless. <laughs> Unless, unless the Picori blades, when it broke, was then repaired. Oh, so like the shattered four sword, bathed in the light of the sacred realm, over time healed itself back into its original. Now we're talking. <laughs> now we we are having a conversation. <laughs> because that's a thing that the master sword does. Yeah, and it's been a right, long because time. We we don't know what happened to the shards of the four sword, and if they were just left there. It could be repaired. It could be, it could be repaired. And it, it doesn't have to be repaired by mortal hands either. It can just be repaired. Hmm. It is a blade built by the goddess, forged by the goddess. Yes. Well, there you go. Okay. I'm going to say that's how it happened. Is it not the goddess sword? It is totally the goddess sword. It looks exactly like the goddess sword. You would have to listen to our Skyward Sword episodes, I guess. Yes. If you haven't already. But yeah, we do have an explanation for it. And now I guess we've expanded that explanation. Simone, I'm sure you'll get to the Skyward Sword episodes eventually. Um, I think that under the same circumstances, yes, this could become another Master Sword. Yes. I wonder where those uh, goddess fires are. Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. I think the thing is, it is similar to the champion's weapons in that if there's another copy of it in the world, I don't think it could be the master sword, but it could be used in future. If the master sword somehow broke to become a new one. Oh, so, well, I mean the master sword does break in this. I know. I really, really, really break. I don't know how much more broken you can fucking get it. Shattered. Really break. Oh, (laughs) Adam's smithereens. I see. Take a hell of a punch to do that. I don't know. It falls into malice and gets really broken down. Real malice. I love winging theories. Winging no. theories is the funnest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think this. I think this works. Yeah, yeah. It's coming together. That's us. We are so adaptable that even things where we go, this doesn't work anymore. Five seconds later, oh, it works even better <laughs> than before. Now, email six. Is that me? Yes, that one's you. Okay. 
Hi guys, love your discussions on the lore. Something always confused me about Majora's Mask. Majora is powerful enough to telekinetically move a moon the size of a small town. Why doesn't he just use that telekinesis to squash Link in the final boss fight? Is he holding back for some reason? Is a fierce deity so strong that he can withstand the crushing force of something that would destroy Termina? It's possible it's just a don't think about it situation, but that's a boring answer in my opinion. Do you guys have any ideas? Thank you so much for all the content. It's reinvigorated my love of Zelda. Y'all made me move Wind Waker from my second favorite game to absolute favorite game of all time, surpassing TF2. That's Team Fortress 2. Oh, okay. I really appreciate y'all. Sherm. Well, thanks, Sherm. I'm glad that you moved Wind Waker over TF2. Yeah. Thank you, Sherm. That, that's a big thing, though, because if you like Team Fortress 2, you really like Team Fortress 2. I have an answer to this question. Hit us. We know that Majora loves playing games. The final battle is framed as a fight between good guys and bad guys. Link plays the bad guy. Majora plays the good guy. So it has to be a fair fight. Okay. It wouldn't be a fair fight if Majora just crushed him. That is very true. That is true. Monica, do you have a read on this? I have a read, yes. Which is, Majora is very powerful. But the stuff with the moon is more awakening the malevolent spirit of the moon. Okay. So you're saying the moon itself is evil. Yes. And Majora's just calling out to it. Yes. And the the whole coming down thing is more the moon's doing than Majora's. Which is why the moon continues shouting at the giants even when Majora is outside of it. Yeah. Crystal, how do you feel about that? That does make sense because no one mentions the face of the moon. That appears to be a normal circumstance. So Termina just has a really badass, hateful moon? Yeah. We fix it in the end. By blasting its face off? Yes. Or did the moon explode? There's no more moon. Crystal, you just beat this. Does it explode? or? I've not completed it yet. Oh, okay, okay. You're saying there's no moon at the end? Is that true? Surely not. No, don't look it up. Don't look it up. We'll come back to this. (laughs) Crystal, whenever you beat Majora's Mask, please let us know if the moon keeps its face or not. Or if it ceases to exist. Because I feel like it has to just go back into the sky. I seem to think or remember that the moon disappeared. But if it does survive, it doesn't have a No, face. you're completely right. It disappears. Yeah! We destroy the moon? It just disintegrates. Woo! It turns into a rainbow. Well, the opposite of the moon is a rainbow. <laughs> I mean, what does Termina need a moon for? To nothing, I guess. Tides? <laughs> I ain't seen no tides in Termina. Yeah, there's not really any tides in Termina. Not even mentioned, honestly. It's underground anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a real moon anyway. It's just a big hunk of, an evil hunk of rock. It's not the size that big, town. all told. It's the size of a town. Yeah. It's still pretty big. Yeah, but like, you know, relatively speaking, it's from not, our moon. It's not much compared to, assumedly, Hyrule's moon. Okay, well, I, I guess, Crystal, how do, do you, which, which one of your idea, which one of the ideas do you like better? Majora holding back? Or Majora just calling the moon? I think both can be true. I think both can be true. Both could be true. Uh, Majora could potentially do a lot of more shenanigans, but this is a good old-fashioned fair good guys versus bad guys fight. Is Majora's wrath it getting mad that you keep slapping it when you're supposed to lose, even though it's holding back? Yeah, bad guys are supposed to run away, is what he says. Does it stop holding back when it becomes Majora's wrath? Hmm, I Maybe? Majora's Mask is a very strange game. 
and I, it's it's hard to gauge the full power of Majora. Yes, it is. It it's it's got some reality manipulation stuff going on. Do you have a read on this moon situation, Cameron? I was really delighted when you said the thing that you did because it was what I was going to say. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. The thing is that it's not just the Majora that calls down the moon. It's Majora fresh off Skull Kid's face. That's true. Yes. And Skull Kid definitely had a loneliness and anger that it was drawing upon. The moon is so big, it can't wear the mask. That's right. <laughs> Just have it on the nose. Yeah. That was also why we, we kind of shot down that Zonai supposition, because their faces can't support the mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my interpretation of Majora's mask has always been that the mask doesn't even have much power until it soaks up some bad feelings like a sponge from the Skull Kid. It's like a vessel that you pour your sorrow into. Yes. Is Majora's Mask a story about depression? Um, a little bit, among other things. Among other things, yeah, I'll agree with that. That was still a really good episode. That was like our sixth episode, seventh episode, and that was that was a good one. Yeah. Majora's Mask is a great game. You know, It's one of the best video games. It's simply one of the best video games, full stop. You know what we should do one of these days? Maybe we should go back and revisit the games that Monica wasn't there for. Yeah. Yeah. I will re-listen to the original series. Yeah. So I think that's the end of the emails for right now. Yeah. Uh, we're getting caught up, though. That's right. The the uh, frequency of the emails is dropping off a little bit. And frankly, I'm a little relieved. But keep sending us stuff if you've got ideas. Yes, please do. Or thoughts. We're running low. I'm panicking. Relief panicking. But Crystal, where can we find yes. you online? You can find me on Twitter at Arcane Crystal. You can find me on Patreon at Arcane Crystal, where you can listen to episodes of this podcast one week early. You can find me on other podcasts at AudioEntropy.com, such as Eidolon Playtest, an actual play podcast about playtesting Eidolon Become Your Best Self. A tabletop game about having an Eidolon, which is like your soul externalized with superpowers, kind of like a Persona or a JoJo stands. Very soon I will be GMing my own little four-episode miniseries of Eidolon called Eidolon Oyster, inspired by the music of Blue Oyster Cults. It's a medical mystery drama with four Eidolon doctors trying to treat a VIP patient. Ooh. That's sick. Should we fear the Reaper? Seasons don't fear the Reaper. Nor do the wind, the sun, or the rain. That's right. And if you go to AudioEntropy.com, hit the About page, there'll be a link to the Discord server where you can talk to us about Zelda, or whatever you want. Absolutely. Sometimes we even poke our heads into the Discord and drop off little non-sequiturs. That's right. We love doing that. We're finally over the awful puns. That's true. That's right. I'm so relieved. I didn't laugh. I mean, I laughed. They were very bad. They were so bad I didn't laugh. Yeah. I, I laugh at most puns. I would like to suggest that bad puns are funnier than good puns. Really? No. <laughs> as soon as that left my mouth, I was like, I regret saying that. That's not true. I don't know why I said that in the first place. You repudiated it as soon as it left your mouth. Yeah. I'm like that. I can I I I have that power. I'm able to look at myself from ten minutes ago and go, man, what a buffoon. Well, 10 minutes, 10 seconds ago, 10 halves of a second ago. Don't don't you two have that ability to just hear the thing you said and go, wait, that doesn't make any sense? Or to, 
Yeah, that happens all the time. Okay. I, I Monica tries to think her shit through more before she talks. I'm a very slow reactor to things. There are definitely things where after discussion, I go, well, yeah, that's not right. But usually by, if it's leaving my mouth, I don't instantly regret it because my reaction time is not high. Would you like to hear a Zelda joke? Yes. No. Please, Crystal. This comes in from jokeplant.com slash Zelda dash jokes. Zelda doesn't use elevators. She's always taking the link between floors. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's not... That even, <laughs> That's not uh-huh. even... This, uh, we are, even more than before, really scraping the bottom <laughs> no. of the barrel here. I, 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 that, that was baffled laughter, to be clear. Like, I feel like I'm going to have to start inventing my own fucking red fox-ass jokes. To- but, but no, like, is this the link between worlds, right? That's what it's trying to poke at. Yes. yes. But worlds are between floors. Between floors. Does it rhyme a little bit if you're British? No. It, elevators link between floors? Uh, worlds and floors. It's true that British people can't pronounce an L. Let me try to say this British. Thing. Oh, no. Zelda doesn't take elevators. She's always taking the link between floors. <laughs> it kind of sounds That's like not a British accent at all. Even not even close. <laughs> oh, I like the bottom of the barrel. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye.